We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. We came very close to a catastrophic breakdown of our democratic accountability. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. Right now, we're kind of stuck in this cycle where every summer we're hearing another story about a big fire and a town burning down. It's still extremely difficult to hold government agencies accountable for abuses that take place in the name of national security. This is KCBS In-Depth. renowned swim coach Terry McKeever has an impressive list of accomplishments to her name. As the longtime head coach of the women's team at UC Berkeley, she's led the Cal Bears to four NCAA national championships and even coached several U.S. Olympic swim teams. But new allegations of bullying and abuse are casting her career in a different light and also sparking a conversation about tough coaching and when it goes too far. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Menconi. Today, we're going to pick up on that conversation and consider where to draw the line in coaching. The line, that is, between tough love and bullying that can demoralize athletes or even leave behind trauma. It's a tricky set of questions that have grown even more urgent in recent years. So to start us off, we're going to invite on first KCBS's own Holly Kwan who has been presenting a series of reports all this past week highlighting the incredible pressure that young athletes often confront, as well as the growing calls for change. Holly Kwan, welcome to KCBS In-Depth. Thank you, Keith. Always great to talk to you. So tell us about the Terry McKeever case. What kind of allegations have we been hearing about for the past several weeks? Well, Terry McKeever is one of Cal's most celebrated coaches for NC2A team titles. She trained 26 Olympic athletes. 36 medals. She is a hero to a lot of elite athletes who wanted to come swim for her. But then in an explosive and thorough investigation by the Orange County Register, dozens of current or former swimmers, there were parents, some former coaches say that she spent years bullying swimmers, calling them names, daily embarrassment, insults, sometimes using the athlete's own traumatic past against them. And this was sort of like this break them down to build them up past strategy. But that tactic in today's more self-aware, see something, say something era would be considered over the line. Um, So she was put on administrative leave and a Southern California law firm has been hired by Cal to investigate these allegations. 
Yeah, right. As, exactly as you were saying, these allegations come in the context of this broader shift in athletics, a shift in the attitudes about what kind of coaching is appropriate, what kind of coaching is helpful for athletes. And that's really the part of the conversation that your reporting has picked up on this past week. Tell us a little bit about your series and what you've been hearing from parents, athletes, and coaches. Well, we're looking at a generation of kids that are competing at this elite level. And you know, they were brought up with a much more keen sense of emotional and mental well-being. I mean, look at how parents during the pandemic were checking in with their kids and seeing how isolated and depressed they were becoming. And, and it's that kind of awareness that is being challenged by these old school methods of coaching. I spoke with one 18-year-old water polo player from ASU, Molly Ostrowski. She's from Pleasant Hill. And she said that, you know, therapy is totally normal. She had a very open attitude towards it, but that kind of attitude isn't always embraced by her teammates. I would say that is pretty difficult. Um, it's hard watching your teammates struggle when you can tell there's not something quite right and, you know, letting them know that it's okay to take a break, off, like a day off or, you know, get help with a sports psychologist or something like that. But I would say the best thing is just to support them as much as you can. And trying to be supportive in that way is difficult when there's resistance, you know, internally, but also when there's resistance from um, above, from your coach. And when she arrived on campus, um, some of the returning players were not happy about the way the water polo program had been going. So they all collectively stood up and spoke out and it actually worked. They wanted things to be better, basically, and they had this higher expectation, and so they wanted to make a change, and they wanted the program to head in a new direction. So we spoke up and, you know. And someone listened. Yeah, exactly. So athletes, you know, we have a voice, and I think that's very important for everyone to know. And that was really surprising for me to hear that they did actually stand up, speak out, and something was done. And maybe this has to do with a lot of higher profile athletes like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka or LeBron that have started to address mental health, mental awareness, and taking a break when things get to be too much. And that may be part of this new sea change that we're seeing of uh, athletes that are more self-aware, taking care of themselves and not letting themselves get to the point where they are being you know, whether you want to call it bullied or manipulated or, you know, coached in a very severe and aggressive manner, that may be what's changing. All right. Well, I think that that lays a good foundation for this conversation, but it is quite a big conversation. So to help us dig into it a little bit more, we're going to welcome on our two guests for today. First up, that is going to be San Jose State University professor Jessica Chin, who studies hazing and abuse in sports. And she also officiates NCAA women's lacrosse. Jessica Chin, welcome to KCBS In-Depth. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And welcoming on as well, Jason Sachs. He's the president of the Positive Coaching Alliance. It's a national advocacy group that was originally founded right here in the Bay Area. Jason Sachs, welcome to you as well. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So, Jessica Chin, starting with you, we have been talking so far about this apparent sea change in attitudes among young athletes, among parents, among coaches. Give us a sense of just how much has been changing in recent years when it comes to sports and attitudes towards what is healthy coaching and what's not so healthy. 
Yeah, I mean, there's been a, a large change in terms of awareness of the different styles of coaching and certainly awareness of the difference between the old style and what is can be deemed as more humanitarian styles of coaching. And hmm. with the social media and exposure to and exposure to the different types of coaching and access to ways of, of voicing your experiences and sharing your experiences, um, there is a, a more awareness and more advocacy for the athletes to help them um, to support their healthy development and growth. Jessica, we were talking about Terry McKeever and uh, at Cal, and also um, there was a story about how the a USF women's basketball coach who's being sued in that case is going to trial in August. Um, Same kinds of allegations with bullying and and things like that. Does it surprise you that we're seeing more um, come up with regards to female coaches? Because I know among people that I talked to, there was this, you know, conflict between, you know, do you complain or report a um, issues with a female coach and not set back female sports, knowing that the struggle has been so difficult. Yeah. I mean, I think there are multiple ways to look at that sort of issue. And one is, yes, there, there, it is surprising in the sense that a lot of those sorts of um, extreme sort of toxic cultures are very common and well-known for old school male coaches and even contemporary male coaches. And so it really is surprising to hear for many people that it's coming from also the female coaches. But as you mentioned, yes, it is, it could be that some people have the sense that we want to keep promoting female coaches, but, but with more awareness, it's not that we want to do things at any cost anymore. The, the cost is going to be too high now if we allow such extreme abusive behavior to continue. Yeah. And, uh, Bringing Jason Sachs into the conversation again, president of the Positive Coaching Alliance. Tell us a little bit about how the practice of coaching has changed. Obviously, your organization is really taking a, a deep look at how coaches can be more supportive, uh, create a healthier environment for athletes, and working with coaches on this front. What are the sorts of practices that are beginning to go out of style, uh, just deemed, you know, too too rough these days yeah i think there's a there's definitely been a shift uh i'd say over the last 25 years or so from um what's acceptable and what um what are best practices so i think at some at one point you would think that militant style of coaching or trying to motivate out of fear or with threats that was what really got people or that was what was thought got people to um you know, perform at their highest level, but over the years, the drill sergeant approach, right? Exactly. And so I think what we've seen is one, there are other ways to do it. There are better ways to do it. And, uh, and two now over the last few years, you've seen a lot more student athletes and, and players that are speaking up and out against how they're being treated. Right. And so, you know, just because I'm on a college scholarship playing a sport doesn't mean I deserve to be treated like crap by my coach, right? And it shouldn't be that that coach thinks that that's the only way that they're going to get the best out of me because that's the way they were doing it 
for the last 20 years. So I think just as society has changed, just as, as things have, have evolved, just as the strategy of the X's and O's of sports has, has, have evolved, I think we need to look at the way that we're, we're coaching and you know the way that people are reacting to the way that coaches are coaching. That has all changed as well. And so if you think of some of the highest profile coaches at the professional level, like you're starting to see that you're not necessarily getting those crazy in your face style type of coaches. You don't see them as much. You see a lot more coaches that are um, creating these environments that um, are caring, that are focusing on joy, that are focusing on other things like mindfulness and, and really looking at this from a holistic standpoint, trying to get away from the burnout, making sure that you know, life is bigger than just the sports. And I think so at all levels, we need to make sure that that's taking hold, even all the way down to youth sports. Jason, Positive Coaching Alliance offers workshops um, in, in, in this kind of thing. Have you, have there, has there been pushback? And um, are there people in those workshops that are like, oh, really, there's a new way to do it, so show me? Yeah, no, it's interesting. So I've been with PCA for 16 years. And I will say personally, from where 16 years ago, when I'd walk into a, you know, a youth sports organization or a, a high school and talk with their athletic director or the organizational leaders, 16 years ago, it was a lot more difficult of a sell. It was like, oh, you know what, this is all, you know, this is soft. This is everybody gets a trophy. We're here to win. So what I've seen over the last 16 years and at PCA, at all of our workshops, there will sometimes, not all of them, but a lot of our workshops, there might be somebody that says, listen, I've been doing this for 20 years. I know how to coach. So like, what are you going to tell me on how to coach? And I think that's a great opportunity for us to draw them into the conversation. So what did you do? And what would you do in this situation? What are some of your best practices? And I'd say nine times out of 10, if not more, we've had feedback of saying, hey, you know what? I came into this with my arms crossed, sitting in the back of the room. And by the end, you know what? There were a couple of things that I'm gonna take away from this. I appreciate you. And I recognize that there are ways that I can get better because I think the bottom line is it with many things in life, but especially with teachers and coaches, if at any point we think we know everything, that's when we should step away from the game. We need to continually learn because things are continuing to evolve. Kids are changing day to day. So we need to make sure that we're keeping up with that as well. All right, real quick, for anybody just joining us, I uh, want to let them know that this is KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi, joined today by Holly Kwan. Today, we're considering the shifting attitudes towards coaching as a new generation of athletes shakes up old expectations. Joining us for that conversation, we've been hearing from Jessica Chin. She's a San Jose State University professor who studies hazing and abuse in sports. Also just heard a second ago from Jason Sachs, president of the Positive Coaching Alliance. Holly? Jessica, you officiate uh, women's lacrosse, and that's a hardcore contact <laughs> sport sometimes. Um, we hear that... Coaches will say, well, well, kids, you know, athletes, they don't come with that same kind of resilience um, that, that we used to see. Um, there's that derogatory term of being a snowflake. Um, are, are, what are you saying? Are, are kids snowflakes? Right, yeah, as a, as a collegiate level um, official, well, I will say that women's lacrosse is technically, technically not a contact sport, but, um, well. but there is contact, of course. It's very physical. And 
And as I had mentioned uh, in a previous conversation that we had, I mean, these athletes these days are tougher than they've ever been physically, mentally, they are strong. And it takes a very fit person to be able to keep up, to run up and down the fields with them. Um, and so I know just from that perspective that they are not, they are not snowflakes. If they, they would never have even made it to the second day of practice if they were, um, if they were weak in any sense of the term. Well, picking up on that topic, uh, Jason Sachs with the Positive Coaching Alliance, obviously there is a value to tough coaching. It's helpful as an athlete to get that honest feedback, and it's helpful to have somebody in your corner pushing you to do better. So how do we get these sorts of changes that you're talking about, avoid some of these harsher forms of coaching that can lead to trauma without losing those benefits that come from tough coaching when it's needed. So I think one of the most difficult things is that when people hear positive coaching or, um, you know, focusing on the, the whole child or, or some of these different terms that are being thrown around is that let's, let's all level set at the fact that if you're a coach or you're a teacher, part of the job is giving feedback and correcting and criticizing in some ways. And naturally that type of feedback is going to drain people's tanks inside, right? Like that's going to make us feel a little bad. So we need, we need to know. And as long as everybody knows that, Hey, this is part of the job as a coach is I want to make you get better. And so I'm going to have to give you some feedback. And some of it's going to be tough to hear. And I think that's okay. As long as that relationship between the coach and the athlete has been built and the expectations of their roles is clear but I think that where what has happened is the way that that message has been delivered has gone off the rails a little bit. And so I think that coaches need to be preaching discipline. I think they can be demanding and say, this is the way we're going to do things. But when it starts to be demeaning or when you start to go after the individual versus the individual's actions, that's where we are having issues. And so I think it's, I think that's the most important thing is that just because we are trying to do this in a better way doesn't mean that we're throwing everything out around discipline and correcting and trying to win. It's just, no, there's a, there, there is a better way to do it. And there's a lot of research out there that shows if you do it in this positive way, you probably are going to get better results than if you do it the other way. Well, Jason, then whose responsibility is it for making sure that a coach doesn't step over the line? And, and is it our fault collectively as a society for having put um, wins and, and championships and, and medals and alumni donations ahead of that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a part of like cultural norms, right? Like what has, what has been accepted? And, you know, we talked about at what cost earlier, like youth sports has become a win at all costs environment. So regardless of what it takes, I will sacrifice maybe, you know, sideline decorum or, or lessons that I'm teaching if it means that we are actually going to be able to win the game. And that game could be a meaningless U8 soccer tournament, like in the grand scheme of things, when we could have had an opportunity to really teach a lesson or talk about something important, but instead we push that aside and just said, we need to win this individual game. And so I think 
as far as whose responsibility is, it's it's a lot of people's responsibility. I think, and that's what I think PCA tries to do is is really look at the whole ecosystem of sports, whether that is organizational leaders at any level, whether that's an athletic director, a school president, or a, a youth sports organization's board. You look at coaches, you look at parents, and you look at the athletes themselves. How do we get everyone on the same page with what we want that experience to be? And if you're not all on the same page, then different, um, different things are gonna take priority for different people. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. One last time, I want to remind listeners that this is KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Mancone, joined by Holly Kwan. Today on the program, uh, well, following a wave of allegations against Cal swim coach Terry McKeever, we're discussing the role of bullying in athletics and the growing demands for change. Joining us for that conversation, speaking right now with Jessica Chin, a San Jose State University professor of sports sociology, also speaking with Jason Sachs, president of the Positive Coaching Alliance. So, in this back half of our program, I guess uh, let's talk a little bit about what could happen next in all this and what are the remaining barriers for change? Jessica Chin, you know, it sounds like there is this growing recognition and this groundswell of demands for change, but uh, we still see these individual cases of, uh, you know, uh, pretty troubling behavior, allegations of pretty troubling behavior. So it seems like a lot of these habits are dying somewhat hard. Why would it be tempting for a coach or an institution to hold on to some of these old, older school methods? I mean, is it the kind of thing that works in the short term so people have a hard time putting it down? Or are there more institutional barriers? What are the sort of challenges that still remain? Well, a lot of the challenges remain in the fact that the if the person in power is the one who's controlling the narrative, is the one who's controlling the storyline or the the ways that the philosophy of the team is being phrased or perpetuated, then that's going to be what people are going to are going to think about and believe, or that's the one that's going to be um, put forward. And so, trying to change the, the culture really involves trying to change the, those who are already in the position, positions of power, but that means that they would have to give up some of that, some of that power that they are holding. And so um, in that sense, we really have to be able to um, bring in other voices and, and to expose some of the erroneous ways of, of that old school sort of thinking. But is there a concern that by trying to pull the curtain back on on abusive bullying or abusive coaching, um, that like hazing, the more you focus that spotlight on it, the more you push it underground? Sure. Yeah. And so the hazing research clearly shows that if even though pe- people, a lot of people continue the practice because they're 
they say that, oh, well, I went through it and I was, I turned out okay. So I'm going to continue doing it. It's tradition. In the same manner, there are many uh, coaches who think the same way, right? I, I went through it that way. I turn out to be this high level coach. So it must, it must be a formula for success. But what, but what the research shows clearly is that there are many others who are negative, negatively impacted in those very same situations. Um, and so we need to figure out then how do we, how do we address the, the negative impacts, right? The ones that are very harmful and hurtful, uh, the ones that, especially when uh, Jason was talking about in terms of making those very personal attacks or attacking one's um, health conditions or sexuality or their gender, whatever, or whatever it may be, their body size, right? Any of these, these sorts of very personal attacks are not appropriate um, and very harmful. Jason, I was wondering, Jessica mentioned something about power and I, and I sometimes feel like there's this hubris that takes effect when we're coaches, um, you know, they, they look at this pool, this pitch, this field is my domain and I'm not giving it up for anybody. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look across the country, a lot of the highest paid state employees are like college football coaches, right? And really, yeah. So it's uh, that that I mean that that sums it up right there, right? There is a lot of power, and there is a lot of prestige there. And I think what it comes down to is if you have a really successful coach that wins a lot of championships, gets a lot of wins, that leads to more money coming to the university, donors, all, all that, right? Um, until something comes up, like I think people are going to allow status quo to remain the same because the results are good, right? Um, I think when the results start to be bad and then you start to see some of this, then it's maybe a little easier to get rid of someone and say like, well, here's where it is. I think when the rubber, where the rubber meets the road is really successful coaches that have questionable practices. And then it comes down to the leadership and saying, what are we going to tolerate? And that all comes down to the culture, right? The culture of the school, the culture of the athletic department is what is, what are you going to allow? What are you going to tolerate to happen within your program? So I think that's the most difficult thing to think about is, is this just about the wins and losses or is it about the, the mental, physical, social well-being of our student athletes. And at a college institution, you would hope that it would be falling on the health, the, the health and wellness of the student athletes. All right, we've got about a minute left. Uh, giving the closing thought to Jessica Chin with San Jose State University. I guess, uh, closing thought to you, wh- where do you think that this is all going? We've seen, as we've been talking throughout this conversation, a number of high-profile examples of athletes drawing attention to the issues of mental health and sports. Also, high-profile examples of abuse being exposed in the last couple of years. D- does this f- moment feel like a turning point, a moment of change? Yes, definitely. Um especially on the heels of many other very significant social uh, waves of change in terms of uh, like BLM, Black Lives Matters movements, um, stopping uh, Asian violence and stopping Asian hate and um, uh, thinking about the Me Too movement and all of these these large uh, movements of social change where people are raising awareness and, and really fighting back against the status quo, fighting back against 
what people see as the dominant um, people in power who are who who have for so long controlled um, a lot of areas of our society. And so understanding that that change comes from within and we have to first raise awareness of the ills of our society so that we can make those change. A lot of people, they they get upset when we start to be very highly critical of sports, um, thinking that, why, are you, why, do, why do you hate sports? We love sports. That's why we want to make them better, right? That's why we have to expose all of the, the ills that are, are present. And so, yes, definitely a huge wave of, of social change on the backs of these other uh, major, major waves that are occurring in our society, in U.S. society. Yeah. Well, a great note to leave it on. Lots of change coming from a lot of different fronts, but we're going to track this one in particular uh, as it unfolds. We have been speaking today once again to Jessica Chin. She is a San Jose State University professor who studies hazing and abuse in sports. And as we mentioned, she also officiates NCAA women's lacrosse. Jessica Chin, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate being part of the conversation. And we heard from as well Jason Sachs, president of the Positive Coaching Alliance. Jason Sachs, good to have you on as well. Thanks for including me. Great conversation. And I was joined this time by Holly Kwan, KCBS reporter, who just released a special series on this topic, which you can find on the Odyssey app. Holly Kwan, good to have you on. Always good to talk to you, Keith. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well. Talk again next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.